our subject. Matthew chapter 13 again. Now listen, this must be so important to Christ that for him to, him to give us four sermons in a row, we're doing the life of Christ right now. And when he gets on a, on a roll, he constantly repeats the most important things. And the most important things, again, comes out. It's the night before. It's the night before the end of the world. What would you be caring about right then? Or who would you be caring about right then? A very important question, and I hope it will haunt you. Matthew chapter 13, verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like to a net that was cast into the sea and it gathered of every kind which when it was full they pulled to shore and they sat down and they gathered the good into the vessels but cast the bad away so shall it be at the end of the world and I point out to you these are Jesus' words there is going to be an end of the world. We are studying that now on Wednesday night, what, what John, the Apostle John, saw when he was taken up into heaven and his teaching, the teachings he saw, the teachings he wrote in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, there are 28 curses upon mankind upon the earth. We only know of 21. Seven of those are unknown. John wasn't allowed to preach on them, to teach on them. He said, seal it up. Don't tell anybody. But the last seven we've just gone through on Wednesday night. The last seven are the worst of the worst of things that are going to happen on earth at the end of the world. And quite honestly, there will be a one world government. There's a big push for that right now. One worlders. One world government is to have no boundaries. It's to have one leader. It's to have one political system, one religious system. And Jesus is constantly speaking to them about the end of the world. The end of the world to Jesus we, we th well, it's been 2,000 years since he said this. But in heaven, a day is as a 1,000 years, and it, a 1,000 years like a day. So in heaven, it's only been three or four days. We need to look at it that way too. Have a big, a big global view of what's happening in our world. Never before in the history of man has the things in this world been turning and turning and turning and turning so that the prophecies of the book of Daniel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and now Revelation are, being, are coming to pass. So again, verse 49, if you'll read with me. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come and they shall sever Separate, sever the wicked 
from among the just. Now, through the scriptures, we see the wicked are the violently wicked and the nice people that aren't saved, that don't trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. To God, it is a, it is a terrible, terrible thing for him to have done all that he's done and for nice people not to believe not to believe in him or his word. We have in our society a religion called humanism. Most people probably don't know it, but they are worshiping humanism. Man is in charge. We decide all things. Mankind is so smart and intelligent. We don't need any outside source. We don't need... Uh, a Bible from the, from the mouth of God, we decide we're so smart. That's, again, humanism. Again, verse 49, So shall it be at the end of the world, the angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just. And so shall, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire, there shall be wailing, other passages, weeping and gnashing of teeth because of the pain and the suffering. Well, the world is a great sea in this parable, and men are like the fish. Preaching the gospel or getting people saved is like casting a net into the sea. Hypocrites, false believers and true Christians shall then be separated from one another. Oh, my heart. You talk about the separation anxiety that we have when our children move off to college or get married and move off. That separation. Or in our case where both our kids live out of state. Uh, with grandchildren. The separation anxiety, thinking about that, this is a whole new level. It's a whole new level. There shall be set, we shall be separated one from another. Keep the pressure on your loved ones. This is true. This is going to happen. Hypocrites, False believers and true Christians shall then be separated from one another. Loved ones and friends never to be seen again. Ouch. Miserable is the condition of those that shall then be cast away. Well, the net is now filling up. It feels faster than at other times, but it still is filling. And it will be drawn to shore. We must not expect the net to be full of only good fish. Because in the net, they are mixed. In the net, they're all together, living together. They shall be mixed. Until judgment day comes. 
And we get lullabied to sleep. We get, we, we just, uh, we get lullabied to spiritual sleep and we disregard what's really going to happen and our part in it. Satan wants us to be fat and content with everything that's going on and not to shake the boat and to not worry about our loved ones. They'll come to the Lord soon enough when it's time. Please be careful. It will, it will be too late someday. What was that again? The angels, so shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Again, taking that to heart. What about the distinguishing of the wicked? What about the distinguishing of the wicked from the righteous. The angels of heaven shall come forth. They shall sever the wicked from among the just. And we need not ask how they will distinguish them when they have their instructions alone coming from God because God knows all men. He knows particularly those that are His. And them that are not. And we may be sure he will make no mistakes. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. There's a lot to that. My sheep listen to me. They listen to me. Their heads perk up when I'm talking to them. They listen. In that last part, they follow me. They're obedient to, to them, submission to him. Listen, I don't ask you. God doesn't ask you to be submissive to every voice, authoritative voice over you. But you better listen to him, his sheep. The picture, and I actually saw a video of this one time, of a, of a, a corral a pen, a sheep pen filled with 50 sheep. And the shepherd goes up to the, to the corral, the sheep pen, and he has a special thing that he says. They recognize his voice and there's commotion among all the sheep and the sheep that are his come over to him. My sheep. And I love the word my possession. Last, last night, I was in a two-man tree stand. I'm so glad I was in a two-man tree stand. So glad with Rodney's help I got it up. Because there was me and the Lord sitting there. And uh, those of you that are deer hunters, even if you're not, you can appreciate the story. These deer came right out five feet beyond every shooting lane I have. And they were off to my right eating acorns. There, it ended up being four of them. And I heard this commotion, and I, the, I heard this commotion behind me. And the, the deer's head all perked up. 
And all of a sudden, they're throwing dirt in the, dirt in the air. They're, throw, they're running as fast as they can away. And I turned around, and here were three black bears. And I said, remember, Lord, my sheep, you're sitting here with me. I'm going to enjoy this. And they came up probably as close to me as Jack and Mindy are to me. Three of them. Now, that, that's happened before to me several times. And you that are hunters, I know it's happened to you. But I had just put a honey drop in my mouth. You understand bears love honey. And I'm thinking, uh-oh. Lord, I'm your sheep. You're responsible to take care of me. You're sitting right up here with me. It's a two-man tree stand. And I so appreciated that because if you're his, you can count on him taking care of you. You can count on it. You're his. His possession, he takes care of you. And that is so, so, so important. And it helps us in so many ways to have peace. My sheep, he says. I love it. And they hear my voice. Well, I confess to you, I don't think I'm crazy, but there have been times, once or twice, that I actually, I think I heard God's voice. But generally, I hear God's voice when I, I'm reading the Word. That's when I, I listen to Him. I hear His voice. My sheep hear my voice. And here's the point of this, this scripture. I know them. That's where the angels are able to distinguish between the good fish and the bad fish. Because he knows them. He has a personal relationship with them. If I had a mixed religious crowd, I would say to you, listen, have your religion, but have a relationship with him. And that's where many other religions lose it. They're all into the fanciness and the liturgies. And that's good. Some people need that. It helps them worship. But what you have to have is a relationship with him. One that follows you into the tree stands of life when the bears are all around you. Please take that to heart because when he knows them, they follow him. So important. And there is an end of the world and we need to be conscious of it. Wow. In Matthew 7... Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit. That's how you know. But a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that brings not forth good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits... You shall know them. So important for us to remember that. Don't give up on your personal relationship with Christ and don't give up on 
your family and friends' personal relationship. They might have religion, but are they, are they listening and following and obeying? That might be the criteria. In any event, the angels come and they know. They get their knowledge from God who, who to pick up and put over here in this pile in heaven and who to pick up and take over to this pile in hell. And it's permanent. Your and our loved one's destinies depend upon it. It's going to happen. So again, what is the doom of the unsaved when they are severed? They shall be cast into the furnace, it says. Everlasting misery, everlasting pain, everlasting sorrow will certainly be the portion of those who live among saved ones but themselves die unsaved. I want to read it again. Everlasting misery, pain, and sorrow will certainly be the portion of those who live among saved ones, but themselves die unsaved. This is the same with what we had before in the parable of the tares. The enemy came in, planted weeds, among the good wheat tares and the, his, his workers found out the good man of the field who owned it found out and they said should we rip them up now he said no let them live together amongst us and then at the end of the world verse 1341 the son of man shall send forth his angels and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that are offensive that offend and them which do iniquity. Wow. Verse 42 here. And shall cast them into the furnace of fire and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. 43. Then shall the righteous there's, there's a great promise here. Then shall, verse 43, then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Father's in heaven. It's a promise. Don't take it for granted. Don't get too used to it. Renew that relationship every day because every day, every day, maybe today, Lord, Maybe today I'm going to heaven or maybe today the rapture is going to happen and I'm going to heaven. And we need to be careful with, with regrets. We go to heaven, all happiness, all joy, no pain, no suffering. But right after the white throne judgment, there's a time when all tears shall be wiped away. I think that's regrets myself. They shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun. That's a promise to us. No one here is perfectly righteous, by the way. Everyone sins and comes short. If not in, 
if not in physical sin, in their sin life, or in their thought life, I mean. But not everyone, no, no one is perfect. So don't beat yourself up for that. It's just that you want to be righteous. And we get our righteousness from Jesus. His righteousness is given unto us so that we can go to heaven. Hmm. I wanted you to notice again, Christ preached often of hell and torments. I don't want you to go home today saying, that Pastor Dave, he just always preaches about, I'm preaching of the life of Christ, event by event. This is Jesus. And if you knew that a terrible thing was going to happen, would you try to avoid it? That's what he's doing. He knows that there will be an end of the world, a separation of the good and the bad. He knows those things. Christ preached often of hell and its torments as the everlasting punishment of hypocrites and non-believers. And it is good for us to often be reminded of it. We need to remember there could even be lookalikes, tears, lookalikes. They look just like everybody else, but they're not. They're not committed to Christ. They have no relationship. They might have religion, but they have no relationship. I wanted you to notice back in Matthew 13, 30, and I have it right here. Let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather together first the tares, and bind them in bundles and burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. And the barn is representative of Jesus Christ. And it's a promise. If you're his sheep, if you're his wheat, if you're his good tree producing good fruit, you've got heaven to look forward to. No, you may not be perfect. No, you, you might have regret. You might, you, might, you might have sinful practices that you're trying to overcome. He knows. Remember, he knows them. He knows. But if you're a born-again believer trusting in Jesus Christ, seeking a, seeking a personal relationship with him, you're going to heaven. I started to say I promise, but he promises. In Matthew 13, 40 on the screen, As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. Well, back to our original. Matthew 13, 49, So shall it be at the end of the world, and the angels shall come forth, and sever the wicked from among the just, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. There will be a time. There will be a time when it will be too late. It will be too late for us to, too late for us to, uh, witness to others, to share our life story, as Mandy's song was saying. She has a story. Her story is completely different 
In Hebrews 12, it talks about a race. Your race is not like anybody else's. Your race is different. It's a long distance race, an obstacle course. But yours is different. Run the race. Jesus is at the finish line. Don't compare your story to other stories. Your story is unique to you. Some of your story is a direct, it is a direct portion of your life why you have ended up where you're at. When we come to Crossroads, we go right or left. Last night, on the way into my tree, I put those reflective thumbtacks in the tree so I could get out in the pitch dark. But that's also where the three bears went. So I didn't, I made a big circle around them and had a little problem, Rodney, getting out. I missed the trail. The trail's as wide as the church, I think. But in the pitch black, you sometimes miss things. You have a trail and you're responsible for your decisions to go right or left. You're responsible for, uh, you pay the price. You, you reap what you sow, always. But at the end, your race might be more difficult because of personal decisions and mistakes you've made. But with, at the end, you run that race put before you and you get to that finish line called heaven. There will be a time that it will be too late. I ask you at the beginning of the message to be ready in Matthew 24. Scholars say you learn more when you read it out of your own Bible. And I ask you to be reading out of Matthew 24. Matthew 24 is called the great eschatological message. It was Tuesday of the last week of his life on earth. Matthew 24, starting in verse 35, our Lord Jesus said, 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knows no man, no, not the angels of heaven. They don't even know, but only my Father. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days of Noah that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. Everything was status quo. Everything was day in, day out. Everybody did their job. Everybody was eating and they, st they had get-togethers. They had parties. They had marriages. That last phrase, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. While Moses was building this ark in a plain, in a flat area, while he was building it, he was also preaching he was telling them, warning them, and they all just made fun of him constantly. There's going to be a flood. Some people say that might not even 
They've not, they, that they might not have ever had rain before until then. Everything was watered with dew. Then Noah's door shut. And they had this rain, and it was not draining real well. It's okay, it will pass. It never passed. It rained, and it rained, and it rained. As in the days of Noah, I believe that the people went running to the ark. Let us in. Let us in. Let us in. Maybe even, I'm sorry to say it, this holding their babies on their shoulders. But they did not believe Noah or Noah's God. For as in the day, verse 38, for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and everything was the same, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and it took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Stop for a moment. This errant thought just came into my head. How can God allow that? How can God, a loving God, allow children and babies, innocents, the innocent ones, to also die? How can he do that? Listen to me. God is love. God is love. God is love. God is love. God is forgiving. God is forgiving. And we're in an era, the age of grace, where he sure, he sure is waiting a long time for us to come to him. Age of grace, he forgives easy when there's repentance involved. Age of grace we're in now, he, he, but there's going to be a time when the, the God of judgment will come. The other side of God, where he has given mankind so many opportunities. I am so sure of this that I'm not even sure all the time he's going to allow me to finish my sermon before we're all sucked up into heaven in the rapture. It is so imminent. It is so... We need to understand. Not the end of the world. The end of our days in this world is coming. Verse 39, they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two people be in the field. One shall be taken, one shall be raptured, and the other left behind. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, at the mill. Two women at work in a factory. The one shall be taken and the other left behind. And then he warns you with this, Watch, therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord does come. But it's not too late yet. While we're in the sea, swimming amongst all the other fish, living our lives, following our race, our long-distance marathon race, while we're in the sea, there's still a chance, an opportunity, before the net is drawn. 
then it's too late. This is what's on Jesus' heart then. Obviously, because he just preached he just preached a whole chapter on four or five, some I didn't even count on parables. And it's still on his heart now. It's on your heart no. It's on my heart. I hope it's on your heart. I hope it's on your heart. And listen, if you don't have quite maybe the courage to share your story with others, I promise you that every Sunday morning I will give an invitation. If you will get your loved ones and your friends saved, I will preach an invitation. We were on vacation. We were in the mall in, I, I think it was North Carolina. Might have been Virginia. And we, we took our two very young children, grandchildren. They were like four and six or five and seven or something. And if you know anything about my my Brianna, my youngest granddaughter, if it comes into her heart, she says it. And we were walking down the mall. We, they were closing. We were going to go back to the hotel. We got a pool. Brianna can't wait to jump into the pool. We're going down the mall, and in the mall is this homeless man. I mean, he looked so disheveled on a bench over here half asleep and Brianna broke away from us and ran over to the homeless man and said hey we're going to a motel we're going swimming you want to come <laughs> oh that we could have a heart like that because we're going to heaven do you want them to come We are singing a hymn as the musicians come called Rescue the Perishing. It's an old hymn, and I just encourage you to sing it with all your heart. Would, would you bow your hearts in, in prayer? Lord, as I, as I look out here, Lord, a Sunday early service, we don't have many visitors. Maybe we're the ones, Lord, that have been put to sleep by maybe happiness and success but Lord give us a new heart give us something Lord that give us a new heart Lord that we would be so concerned for the lost ask you Lord to give us a story ask you Lord to help us to share this story and to invite others to church. Give us that, Lord, rescuing the perishing. Let that be in our heart. Lord, if there's someone here that isn't sure which side of the piles they would be in, the good fish and the bad fish, they don't know, Lord, if they would truly recognize the voice of the Lord. 
Lord, if there's anyone like that, but they want to be counted in the good fish, the good tree, different from the, the tares, Lord. Lord, put it in their hearts right now to pray this prayer with me quietly, silently, right there in their pew. They would say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I've done bad things. I know the penalty for being a sinner is that I have to go to hell. The Lord I know on the cross you died for me. You paid my sin debt. Oh God forgive me. Come into my heart Lord Jesus. With your power, help me. Your power. Help me to repent of my sins. And to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, very quickly, if you prayed that prayer and meant it, would you raise your hand that I might see you? Is there anyone? Just in case, I want to always do this. Lord, put it into our hearts who we can't give up on. Put it into our hearts, Lord, before it's too late, who we should tell our story to. In Christ's name, amen.